I know that you know this, but there are times in life when we feel like things just aren't right. We feel like we're kind of wandering around, walking around, just kind of existing. Today's message is entitled, Has that TV been off all morning? again okay um, I want the title of the message today is on the screen is why the wilderness now this is going to apply historically but it's also going to apply personally if you'll stay if you'll hang with me so many lessons is, as I prepared this message as I went back through it again this morning uh, there are so many messages that we could pull out of there. <clears throat> In Exodus 12, by the hand of Moses, God led his children, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, out of captivity in Egypt. Most of us know that story. They'd been there for 400 years. They'd been there since the time of, uh, uh, since the time of Joseph and Jacob. And now they're traversing across the journey, and now they're headed toward the promised land, the land of promise. They've heard about it. Think about this. For 400 years, they've heard about it. They've been taught about it. They've heard rumors about it, conversations about it. They dreamed about it. And now, through Moses, they had been led out of servitude, slavery, captivity, and they were on their way finally. Well, interestingly, in Numbers 13, you don't have to turn back, but in Numbers 13, between one, between one month and six months later, they were standing at a place called, hang on to this, Kadesh Barnea. They were literally standing on, just outside the land of promise, and they were peering in. And they were looking in. They sent a committee into it and scouting it out. And they were trying to see the land and see the riches of the land. God promised them a land that flowed with milk and honey. And they sent the crowd. You remember they sent the committee. They were the first Baptist church. They elected a committee and sent them in. And... The, the land lived up to everything God said it was going to be. When it's, you're talking about a land full of milk and honey, you're talking about a, a land that's producing. If you remember, they had grapes and pomegranates that they brought back. It lived up to everything that God had said and more. <laughs> and it was the and more that kicked them in the teeth. Evidently, they felt like God should just give it to them, but there was a little work they had to do because there's some people in there that they had to get out. And you know the story. They came to their Kadesh Barnea to that moment of decision. After 400 plus years, they were standing there ready to take what God had given to them. And you know the story, don't you? God said go, and they said no. And you had a mess. Too often we just think that God, without much thought, just sent them into the wilderness to wander for 40 years. But that's not the case if you still have your Bibles open to Numbers 14. Look down in verse 11. Let's just read a couple of verses. The Lord said to Moses, 
How long will these people despise me? Did you get that? How long will they not trust me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? Let's pause there. Ten plagues to get them loose in Egypt. When they get out, God parts the Red Sea, lets them go through not on muddy ground, but on dry ground. And then God closes the water back up and he takes away the enemy. And then they're thirsty a couple of days later and they come to the bitter waters of Mara and he makes them sweet. And then they're hungry, so he sends manna from heaven. And then they won't meet, he sends quail from heaven. And then he brings water from a rock. It's not like these folks hadn't seen the glory of God. Look in verse 12 there. It should still be on the screen. I will strike them with a plague and destroy them. Then I will make you into a greater and mightier nation than they are. Now, did you catch that? God is basically saying to Moses, he is saying, they don't believe me. They don't trust me. They don't follow me. They're not faithful to me in spite of everything I've done for them. The truth is, I brought them in this world and I can take them out. And you know what, Moses? I can start with you and I can fix this problem. Now, folks, the first lesson here today is that whether we believe it or not, whether we like it or not, whether we want to hear it or not, disobedience, distrust, disrespect toward God, unfaithfulness toward God, angers God. I don't think I like this thing of God being angry. Well, we've only taken the we've only taken the anger of God out of Him in the late twentieth and early twenty first century. One of the great sermons of all time is "Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God." The Bible teaches that. So here's what I'm giving to: If Moses hadn't stepped in. God would have annihilated the stubborn people. If he hadn't stepped in between the stubborn people, these hard-headed people, they would have been destroyed, the Bible says, with a plague, with a pandemic, a lot like we just suffered through. So I want to finish getting this story in front of you. So just keep your Bible open there. Look down in verse 13. Let's just read on and watch this. But Moses replied to the Lord, if you do this, Lord, the Egyptians will hear about it. For by your strength you brought up this people from the land. You brought this people from them. They will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people. How you, Lord, are seen face to face. How your cloud stands over them. How you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. I didn't even mention that a while ago. If you kill this people with a single blow. Obviously Moses thought he could do that. The nations that have heard of your fame will declare, since the Lord wasn't able to bring this people into the land he swore to give them, he has slaughtered them in the wilderness. Moses' prayer continues. So now, may my Lord's power be magnified just as you have spoken. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in faithful love. Forgiving iniquity and rebellion. 
But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children to the third and fourth generation. Can I pause there? Are y'all catching these lessons? The sins of the father to the third and fourth generation of children. Verse 19. Please pardon the iniquity of this people in keeping with the greatness of your faithful love. Just as you have forgiven them from Egypt until now. The Lord responded. Now I just want to pause here. I don't think this, we don't, I've told you this before. It seems to me that Moses prayed the prayer, stepped away, and there was some silence. And then God came back to Moses and he said, it says, the Lord responded, I have pardoned them as you requested. Yet, as surely as I live and as the whole earth is filled with the Lord's glory, none of the men who have seen my glory and the signs I have performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tested me these ten times and did not obey me will ever see the land I swore to give their fathers. None of those who have despised me will see it. But since my servant Caleb has a different spirit and has remained loyal to me, I will bring him into the land where he has gone and his descendants will inherit it. Since the Amalekites and the Canaanites are living in the lowland, turn back tomorrow and here we go, head for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. (laughs) It's only going to get worse. How long must I endure this evil community that keeps complaining about me? You see, it seems to me as I read this that after Moses received this word, the murmuring started among the first Baptist church of the Hebrews. And God got tired of it. I have heard the Israelites complain that they, the, the complaints they make against me. Tell them, as surely as I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your corpse will fall in the wilderness. All of you who were registered in the census, the entire number of you, 20 years old or more. Because you have complained about me. I swear that none of you will enter the land. I promise to settle you in except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. I will bring your children whom you said will become plunder into the land you rejected and they will enjoy it. But as for you... Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds in this wilderness for 40 years and bear the penalty for your acts of unfaithfulness until all your corpses lie scattered in the wilderness. You will hear the consequences of your iniquity. Excuse me, you will bear the consequences of your iniquity 40 years based on the number of the 40 days that you scouted the land a year for each day. You will know. My displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. I swear that I will do this to the entire evil community that has conspired against me. They will come 
to an end in the wilderness, and there they will die. So, the men Moses sent to scout out the land, and who returned and incited the entire community to complain about him by spreading a negative report about the land. Those men who spread the negative report about the land were struck down by the Lord. Only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, remained alive of those men who went to scout out the land. Father, there are times that We need to hear words from you like we've never heard before. I pray that today, I pray that you will speak a word into us about this thing of the wilderness. I pray that you'll open our hearts and pour in your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. The question is, why in the world did something like this happen? Why did God sentence his children his children, Israel, to wander around the wilderness for 40 years. Why in the world the wilderness? And I just want to say this to you. We're going to deal with this from a historical standpoint, but this is not just history. It's his story for us. Have you ever run around and found yourself in a spiritual wilderness? Where you just didn't know where you were going? Where you just kind of wandering around? I want you to understand from the get-go, do not forget that God created mankind to walk with him, to fellowship with him, to commune with him, to be with him in the cool of the day. And ever since that serpent slithered into the garden and asked this foreboding question, things have changed. He said, did God really say? And ever since then, every one of us, seem to be asking the question, did God really say and did he mean what he said? And you see, because because we adhered to to the evil one in the garden, today the evil one has a foothold in the minds of mankind that seems to be developed into a stronghold and leads us astray. The evil one plays on our human emotions. Wanting us to make decisions by our human emotions, by our human desires, and our human tendencies, which always point toward self. I heard Jay Strack say this many years ago. He said, we seem to be playing games while Satan is playing for keeps. Let's go back to the story. Sentence has been pronounced. For 40 years, they would wander in the wilderness. By the way, during those 40 years, they would frequently circle back to Kadesh Barnea. Kadesh Barnea had a spring there, so they would come back for um, nutrition, nourishment, and what have you. But they would wander around. And can you imagine, every time they came back to Kadesh, this place of decision, this place where they decided to walk away, every time they came back, they could look over into the land of Canaan and think about what they could have had if they had just followed the Lord. Question is, I'll just, uh, let me just say this. The cost of not serving God, the cost of not trusting God, the cost of not following God is always high. But why in the world did God get, put them in the wilderness? Why in the world did he do that? Uh, I will tell you that 
seems to be a little merciful to me because he could have just killed them on the spot like he did 10 of those 12 committee members. I want to give you four reasons that he put them in the wilderness. Now, these are not all inclusive, and certainly we could dig out some more. But first of all, I want you to see that the wilderness was a place of clarification, a place where he made things clear. The people had refused to follow God. He gave them a good vision in front of him. They came to this place. They came to the precipice. They came to the place of decision, and they refused to follow God. And they walked away moaning and groaning about how hard things were, that the gift was not really a gift. We can't do it. Now, I remember this. God pronounced this sentence on them to remind them who was in charge. Hello? There's your clarification. Too often we think we're in charge of our own destiny. We think we're in charge of our own future. And so they said, no, no, we're not going to go. And so God pronounced the sentence on them. They had a night to sleep on it. Think about this, guys. Just give me a night to sleep on it. Well, they've already made their decision. Gave them a night to sleep on it after God pronounced the, uh, pronounced the sentence. And this was their attitude. See if this kind of squares with the modern-day attitude. Their attitude was, the Lord promised us this land. And we are his people. And we are strong. We are capable. We have the ability. We have the wherewithal to get this done. So let's just put on our bootstraps and we'll show God. And so the next day, I'll just pause to say, does that sound like a bunch of Baptists to you? Don't smile too much. We can do it no matter what. So they decided to do it. So if you will, if you still have your Bibles open, it may be on the screen. Look at verse 39. This is the next morning when Moses reported these words to all the Israelites. The people were overcome with grief. The next, they got up early the next morning and went to the ridge of the hill country saying, Let's go to the place the Lord promised, for we were wrong. But Moses responded, Why are you going against the Lord's command? It won't succeed. Don't go. Because the Lord is not among you, and you will be defeated by your enemies. The Amalekites and the Canaanites are right in front of you, and you will fall by the sword. The Lord won't be with you since you turned from following him. You see, they didn't repent. They just decided that they knew better. Verse 44. But they dared. To go up the ridge of the hill country, even though the ark of the Lord, Lord's covenant and Moses did not leave the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in that part of the hill country came down, attacked them, and routed them as far as Hormah. The first thing that God had to get clarified was who was in charge. Like so many people, the leaders of the Hebrews felt like they were smart enough, they were strong enough, and certainly able enough to call the shots. They could make the decision. 
what God said or what God wanted was not their top priority. They could do it on their own. But things didn't go the way they planned, and they rarely do when you run behind God. When God gives you a word and you decide to say no. You've probably never heard anybody say run behind God. But when God says to do something, (laughs) this is my lesson for the day. When God says to do something, generally, unless he says otherwise, he means now. I want to say that again. When God says to do something, generally he means now. There's nobody I love in the world more than my dad. miss him every day. My dad taught me the importance of now, Shannon. One time he said, I was, I was in probably in first, second grade, and he said, Son, take the garbage out. I said, Just a minute. I don't think I ever told him that ever again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, Daddy thought it, Daddy was not mean. He just thought it was important that his children understood the importance of obedience and the urgency of when when somebody told you to do something to do it. It's important. I'm going to tell you, teenagers, children in here, it's important for you when your parents tell you to do something to do it to learn instant obedience. It may be the matter of life and death one day. Too often today, that child starts running toward the road. Mom can see a car over here, but because, because the child doesn't respond instantly, mom says, stop. And they think, I don't have to stop. I don't do anything else. She says, you see, it's important. God wanted them to do it then. He sent them into the wilderness for 40 years to clear up who was in charge. He wanted them to know. Place of clarification. The second thing is this place of consequences. Consequences. When I think of when I think of this story, I want to tell you whose consequence jumps out at me is Moses. Because of the decision of the people he was trying to lead, they decided he had to go. Because of that, I can encapsulate his his life in four or five thoughts. First of all, the first forty years he spent in Egypt. That's Pharaoh's son. The second forty years he spent in the uh, in the wilderness, the desert of Midian. The third 40 years he spent in the wilderness with the Hebrew people because of their decision. And then Deuteronomy tells us that he, was, he died and was buried by the hand of God in Moab. I want you to think about God's chosen people for a second, the Hebrews. The Hebrews were God's chosen people and his redeemed people. And you go, wait a minute, Brother Jerry, Jesus didn't... Hadn't died yet. Chosen people, Hebrew people. Back in Genesis 12, God called the Hebrew people. He called Abram, that later would become Abraham, the father of the Hebrew nation. He called them and and he promised them this land. They were chosen people. But then when they were in captivity, he redeemed them from the land of Egypt. They were his chosen. They were his redeemed people. And the lesson is this. They refused to obey him, and so they had to live with the consequences. God was not going to go with them into battle because they had abandoned him, so they were defeated. They were routed too often in our lives. God's people are routed or defeated or overrun or pushed around 
because they're not obedient to God. Jesus is clear. You go to the upper room and you get a lesson in this. He says, if you love me, keep my words. If you love me, keep my command. If, if you love me, keep what I say. Three times. And then he says, the one who doesn't love me doesn't keep my words. What does his words say? We don't have enough time. But it's talking about being faithful and obedient. You see, the truth is, is that Jesus was trying to impress on them in the upper room, like he tries to impress on us. He says, you are my friends if, if you do what I command you. Today, our Lord Jesus is still trying to keep us from the consequences like they had to face in the wilderness. In the wilderness, instead of eating the milk and honey and the grapes and the pomegranates and all the good things, the Hebrews had to eat manna. And meat provided by God on a daily basis. They lived in the dirt. They wandered around. They couldn't build any homes. And one of the consequences is that they spent 40 years probably thinking that they could have been in that land flowing with milk and honey. A land that was fertile and fruitful and a fun place to be. They traded the land of promise for a nomadic land for 40 years. Many people today who profess to be followers of Christ find themselves struggling because when they came to a place of decision, their own, your own personal Kadesh Barnea, they, you have echoed the voice of those people of old, those Hebrews who said, we can't, we won't, because God's asking too much. There are churches in the 21st century who are in the wilderness waiting to die because they made their wrong decision when they came to Kadesh Barnea. I just found out this week a church that I know very well, less than two hours from where we are, used to be one of the flagship churches for the gospel in Mississippi. This past week I was told they're looking for a and they're looking really for a chaplain, someone to go in and take care of those 60 or 80 that are left and help them die with dignity. That church at one time was bigger and stronger than we are. And the consequences of not following God, staggering. I'll tell you one last consequence that I've alluded to in other, message, other messages. The children of Israel became professional funeral directors. Now, did you catch what God said? He said, every person 20 years of age and above was going to die in the wilderness. The best guess we have is that the population, the adult population, was 1.2 million people who had to die. There are people in here smarter than me, but I'm smart enough to use a calculator, Todd. You take 1.2 million people, 
You divide it by 40. You divide it by 40, you lose about 30,000 people a year. You divide 30,000 by 365, and you get 82 people. Now, this is an average 82 people a day, every day, seven days a week for 40 years were put in the ground. It cost to not follow God. I guess the greatest consequence for, the, for those guys and even for us as a church, for us as individuals, is coming back to Kadesh Barnea every now and then to that place of decision and looking in and seeing what might have been. It was a place of consequence. Third, it was also a place of care. You see, God didn't abandon the people, of the Hebrew people in their wilderness journey. He didn't abandon you when you're walking through the wilderness when you choose to obey and walk away, you find yourself in the wilderness. He's still there. He offers a loving hand, a hand open, inviting you back. For the people, and I'll try to do this quickly, for the people of, of the Hebrews, you can look at the end of verse of chapter 15, and you can discover, if, you haven't, if you've forgotten it, that he suggested to them, he gave them that they put a tassel on their on their clothes and put a blue cord in it. And that blue cord was to remind them of something. It'll be on the screen. Let me read this for you. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and tell them that throughout their generations they are to make tassels for the corners of their garments and put a blue cord on the tassel at each corner. These will serve as tassels for you to look at so that you, here's why the blue tab, the blue cords there, so that you may remember all the Lord's commands, obey them, and not prostitute yourselves by following your own heart and your own eyes. This way you will remember and obey all my commands and be holy to your God. I, God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. You see, God took time, even in their wilderness, to give them some care and some attention. When they were rebellious, yes, he allowed the, the consequences to flow. When they repented, he showed mercy. You remember the bronze snake? Some people don't even realize that the medical symbol of the, of the serpent on the pole comes from numbers. The snakes that were sent were God's consequences for their rebellion. And the symbol reminded him that he was the great physician, that he was the master healer, and that he cared. The blue cord we just read about, it's a reminder of God. And we could track a whole lot of things for 40 years and find consequences. There's more and more. But every step they took, like every step you take, every hardship they endured, like every hardship you endure, Every battle they fought, like every battle you fight. Every funeral they had a part of, just like you. God was there, using these things that happen around us to prune us and purify us. At the end of 40 years, the younger generation, are you listening? 
the old guys were hardheads and were dying off. The younger generation began to understand God, who he was, what he was capable of, and what he wanted them to do. Place of care. Finally, it's a place of correction. Correction. Before Kadesh Barnea, you can track it, the Hebrews were known for making wrong decisions. They were known for thinking wrong things. They were known for rebelling against God. They were even known for threatening Moses, God's leader. I have shared this entire message for the next five minutes. I learned this principle from a guy named Robbie Gallaty. If you make it to the, the first of the BAD trainings today, you'll hear a little bit about him. Robbie Gallaty is a pastor in Tennessee. I heard Robbie say this, and it's revolutionized my thinking in many ways. Please don't miss it. God's people was in, were in captivity in Egypt. They were under servitude and slavery. God didn't just have to get his children out of Egypt. He had to get Egypt out of his children. I don't know how that strikes you, but it cut me to the heart. You see, for for over 400 years, if you figure that up, it's 40 years a generation. That's 10 generations of Hebrews who were residing in Egypt. And for ten generations, they had lived among the pagan. They had learned their idolatry, their mythology. They had learned their love of self. They had learned the lifestyles of immorality and licentiousness. They had taken on the priorities and the customs and the traditions and all the rest. And it all permeated their lives. Particularly the adult generation, you know, the ones who built the golden calf. They were indoctrinated. I feel like that's us today in America. The further they got from Jacob and Joseph to this day, the more like the Egyptians they became. God sent them into the wilderness. He sent them there to wander for 40 years because he knew he had to let the folks who were indoctrinated die off. As harsh as that sounds, he could have killed them all on the spot. He gave them a choice. He wasn't going to give them a choice. He gave them the privilege of going into the wilderness, saying goodbye to their families, spending time with their families, and dying with dignity. God's goal was to turn the heart of his children back to him. If you think about it, except for Joshua and Caleb, everybody's life, everybody who was 20 years of age and older, their life ended at Kadesh Barnea. The wilderness The wilderness brought forth a new generation. 
today, Kadesh Barnea is seen as a place of decision. And I want to say this to everybody here. You can make, you can make decisions. You can make good decisions or bad decisions. You can make godly decisions or ungodly decisions. It's not small. It's a matter of life and death. Today is the time for decision. The cross, the cross is a Kadesh Barnea. Some of us in this room stand once again today at the cross. We've been here many times before. It's a place where sin meets forgiveness, where darkness meets light, where death meets life. Jesus is calling. He's calling you. Kadesh Barnea is not only your cross, it's the cross, it's the altar. We talked about it last week. Like the Hebrews, you've stood and you've looked at it and you've looked at it and you've looked at it. And you still decided to do like they did and turn and walk away. You decided to take matters in your own hands. I mean, you could still see the altar. You could still see the cross. You could still see it as a place of decision. But like the adulterer group, you make the wrong decision. Today we stand there one more time. There are some of us there's some of us who it seems continue to just play the game. We give God what we want him to have when we want it to ha- when we want when we want him to have it. And you see, Jesus gave his all to give you his all, to change your life, not just for your friends, to change you from the inside out that you can follow him, that you can find life abundant here and then eternal life to the fullness there. Today we are here at Kadesh Barnea. The cross, the altar, the place where you make a decision. Bow with me, let's pray.